The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. John the Baptist appeared preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was of him that the prophet Isaiah had spoken when he said, A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John wore clothing made of camel hair and had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. At that time, Jerusalem, all of Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For children to Abraham, even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance, but the one who is to come after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord be with you. In the second week of Advent, we have John the Baptist as the biblical figure that the church invites us to, to contemplate and to help uh, through his teaching and example to continue this journey where we are preparing a way for the Lord. I'd like to talk about John the Baptist through three different lenses briefly, look at who he was historically. And then a second way would be to say, well, what does he mean biblically? Why is he so important in the Bible? And then uh, to look at his life maybe through a contemporary lens of what it would have been like to be John the Baptist, and hopefully that might help us today in our Advent journey. So uh, three different lenses, three minutes each. Go ahead and start your clock here. The, uh, the historical person of John the Baptist, we know that he was the son of the priest Zechariah and the son of Elizabeth, the cousin of the Virgin Mary. And Zechariah was in the temple doing his priestly service when Gabriel, our patron, the angel, came to him and told him that he and Elizabeth would have a son and that he would be filled with the spirit of Elijah and prepare the way of the Lord. Zechariah had a hard time believing that uh, as Elizabeth and, and he were, were quite elderly, but the miracle happened and John arrived. Shortly after he was born, we don't know how long, but he became an orphan at some age, his parents being so elderly. 
and we read that he was in the wilderness until the day of his manifestation to Israel, which means he was out in the desert until he arrived at the banks of the Jordan River. And we, we know today that most likely he lived with a community of monks, men and women in the Dead Sea area known as the community of the Essenes. And they're the ones that wrote all of those Dead Sea Scrolls, as they're now famously called, what were found in the 50s, uh, uh, basically a library of scrolls hidden away in a cave that when we found that and opened it up, we found all kinds of books and scrolls from the scriptures, but also a lot of documents about this community life. And we know that that community took in children to, to form them and to raise them, and so it makes sense that John since the Bible says he was in the desert, he would have been with the Essenes. And they did things like uh, ritual washings were a big part of their community. They, they, they had rituals every day, cleansing with water. They were awaiting the Messiah, and they did things like eat foods that weren't processed, like wild honey and locusts. And so it sort of matches John the Baptist. At a certain point, he's on the Jordan River. Jesus comes. John recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. He baptizes Jesus, and then Jesus uh, takes his disciples with him, and John the Baptist shortly after is imprisoned by Herod and then beheaded. So not a very happy ending to John's life, maybe not one we would even expect since Jesus said that there was no man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. So if you look at his life biblically, there's a reason why he's so important for Advent and just for the Messiah, and that was because he was to become the new Elijah. And to understand Elijah, we have to go back to about the 9th century BC, one of the most, if not the most famous prophet of the Old Testament. Uh, Elijah was doing his work about three or 400 years after Elijah was taken up to heaven in a chariot, a prophet named Malachi was prophesying to Israel. And let's read what Malachi prophesied. One of his prophecies said that, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. So this is a time when Israel is is uh, being oppressed by different empires, the Persians, the Babylonians, and so they were awaiting the Messiah. That's the great day of the Lord, the arrival of the Messiah. And so Malachi gave a prophecy saying that before the Messiah comes, Elijah is going to come. We read in 2 Kings, we kind of go back in time to Elijah, something about Elijah that matches John the Baptist. In 2 Kings, it says, Elijah, he had a garment of hair, and wore a leather belt around his waist. And so when the Gospels tell us that John the Baptist was preaching repentance at the Jordan River on the east side where Elijah had been working and that he was wearing camel's hair and a leather belt, the Gospel is saying, be, be, notice that John is the new Elijah. That's a little biblical story there about why you, you hear the conversation with Jesus uh, and his disciples about John being Elijah. Well, in our third little way of looking at John, I think we can maybe read between the lines a little bit about his life. 
It's something that uh, we do nowadays when we even, for example, in our movies, we often focus a lot uh, in an existentialist way, kind of what it meant to be or what it felt like to be someone in some situation. And so if we look at John's life and, and just without even reading too much between the lines, he was a, a young boy who was an orphan early on in his life, certainly a, a very heavy cross to carry, didn't have siblings or much family around him. He ends up being taken in by a group of monks in the desert that for all of their good intentions, John could have just been one more mouth to feed for them. It wasn't like he was nurtured in a loving household, you could say. He was kind of with a bunch of wild people in the desert. Then John the Baptist, we don't know how it happened, but he knew through the Holy Spirit that he was the new Elijah. He was going to point out the Messiah. So he's on the banks of the Jordan, and his relative Jesus shows up. We don't really know how well they knew each other, but Jesus shows up, and John recognizes Jesus as the Christ. All of his hopes and dreams, he's been waiting for 30 years for the Messiah. Here the Messiah is. John baptizes him, and then Jesus doesn't say, all right, John, let's go. He takes John's disciples and basically leaves John there alone. John would have been a great apostle. Jesus ended up choosing Judas Iscariot, Matthew the tax collector, men who certainly weren't at the level of John the Baptist. John wasn't chosen by Jesus. I don't know if he felt that way, but I can imagine right, he felt something about being left there and his mission over, but now he's just wondering what's next. And then what, what's next comes when he's imprisoned by Herod. The, the Messiah was supposed to help overthrow the, the, the oppression of Israel, the Romans and their minions like Herod, and here they still have power, and Jesus didn't stop Herod from putting John in prison. John's even a little confused because he sends a messenger to Jesus, and he asks Jesus through the messengers, are you the one who is to come? And there's sort of a code there, you know, John's possibly saying, did I make a mistake? I'm in, the I'm, in in, I'm in my prison cell here and I'm supposed to point out the Messiah. I had one job to do, I, maybe I messed it up. He doesn't have anything clear. And then John is beheaded by Herod on the way to being beheaded. Do you think he maybe hoped Jesus would do something to intervene? I don't think it's reading too much between the lines to recognize that it was hard to be John the Baptist and that following the Christ didn't mean that John had a happy life with no problems. It didn't mean that he understood what God was doing in every situation. It doesn't mean that every prayer he uttered was answered. And yet Jesus does say there was no one greater than John the Baptist. I think that paints a picture for us of maybe a type of Christianity that's beautiful but also a little bit hard. There are Christian pastors out there that would say that if you believe in Jesus, you'll have health and wealth. If you believe in Jesus, you'll have a, a happy, clappy little life. But that's not really the reality, is it? 
And if sometimes our young people reject our Christian faith, that maybe it's because they're rejecting something like that, but our Christian faith is powerful because it gives meaning to life, that the hard crosses we carry aren't wasted. There's a reason why our Lord came and said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me to heaven where there'll be no more tears. And so this Advent season, let us learn from John the Baptist. Let us embrace that, let's say, more severe Christianity, a little bit more real, that our Lord in our lives is going to lead us, maybe to places we're not always excited to go, but eventually we'll end up in eternal life where there'll be no more tears. We're preparing a way for the Lord. That's the message of John the Baptist. We read that in, in Matthew's Gospel. When they asked him who you are, John, he said, I'm a voice crying out in the desert. Prepare the way of the Lord. There's a beautiful way to do that this Advent in our Catholic faith, which is to, to approach the sacrament of confession. We're not going to have just one evening for our penance service, but we have many hours Friday afternoon and during the Saturday afternoon and morning, and we'll, we have two priests, sometimes three there, to to help make it go uh, more quickly. So if you uh, feel called to that, that's a beautiful way to prepare your heart for our Lord's coming. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.